Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. Today we have a unique guest, Jeff Radspinner. While also being my brother, Jeff is unique because he did not take the traditional college path. Instead, right out of high school, he started a business. And guess what? It failed. And then he started another one and it failed. And then he started another one and it failed. But you know what? When you try and fail enough times, eventually it succeeds. And Jeff is that success story. He currently owns an army surplus business, which sells its surplus online. He has gone from a couple thousand in revenue a year to over six figures in just three years. He has a unique perspective on entrepreneurship and leadership in young professionals. I'll tell you what, John Mark, when I first heard about an army surplus store selling its gear online, I really thought, how much of a business model could you have here? But after getting to know Jeff, I was really impressed with his methodology on business and self-education. With that, let's dive into our conversation with Jeff Radspinner. Endeavor to challenge yourself every single day. Engage with your community. Effect change and produce impact. I'm John Mark Radspinner. And I'm Brent Sabati. And this is the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. We have the conversations that young professionals should be having but aren't. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for being here on this episode of the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. How are you doing today? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. You know, me and John Mark are making it through the day, I think. So we're just going to go ahead and jump straight into our icebreaker question. Just get the ball rolling. If you could be one animal, what would you choose and why? Be a lion. Lions are the king of the jungle, the Serengeti, and they can be heard from miles away. Be absolutely terrifying. So you, what you're telling me is you just want to be loud. Oh, yeah. That's a, as good a reason as any, I guess, for to pick a lion. So I would probably pick a lion mostly for their awesome hair. I think that'd be pretty cool. You know what? I think I'd be a turkey because turkeys are smart. And, you know, that was what the American national bird was going to be in the first place. But turkeys, turkeys aren't cool. You are a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> How do you segue from you are a turkey? <laughs> Sorry, that was all I could think of. <laughs> How did you segue from that? <laughs> well, on that interesting animal talk, we'll jump into our more standard questions. So, Jeff, uh, both... Uh, John Mark and I know you fairly well, you know, John Mark, just a little bit more uh, than I do, I think, you know, being brothers and all, but tell uh, the audience a little bit more about what you do and kind of how you got started in your, uh, your career and your business. I own an army surplus store. We sell army gear, so like uniforms and backpacks and boots and other things that soldiers might use. It's just everything that soldiers and veterans and doomsday preppers and maybe even campers would want. I got started in this completely by accident. When I turned 18, I realized that I could start a business and I was really excited. So I wrote probably five or six different business plans and ended up going with something that had nothing to do with any of them. I decided I was just going to sell clothes on eBay. That didn't work out too well, but I met a guy that sold things on eBay and he was really good at it. He made a million dollars a year selling things on eBay. And so uh, I hired him to train me on what he was doing and I started drop shipping items from Amazon to eBay. Basically, I just copied these listings into eBay and when they sold, I'd put the address into Amazon and skim the profits off the top, so probably three to ten dollars per item. eBay didn't like that very much. Amazon didn't like it very much. And so I stopped doing that and moved on to the next business, which was selling books, which I love books, but not enough to actually sell them. From there, I moved on to video games. I tried movies and finally decided that 
just wasn't working out. And so I decided to go work for someone else and just help someone else grow their business. And he happened to sell a whole bunch of stuff, including army surplus, which I thought was the most interesting thing he had. And so I decided to go off and do that on my own. I think it's kind of interesting when I first met you and started talking to you, this whole concept of having an army surplus store that focused on e-commerce and online sales because growing up when I remember you know going to an army surplus store is basically like a kind of dark dusty warehouse somewhere you know in a back alley that you just rummage through a bunch of clothes and things like that but you've kind of taken a more modern approach to it taken the things that you've learned from your other uh, business ventures and and turned it into something new. We wanted to make it a little bit easier for soldiers to find what they need so they don't have to go and browse around a surplus store. Because you'll find that a lot of surplus stores, they don't actually know what they have. And it's a lot of times just thrown into a pile where you have to go dig through it. We went through and we built a catalog where they can literally search anything. And if we have it, it'll come up in there. Uh, they can search it by the identifying numbers, which is something that you can't do in a surplus store. And so the idea was just to make it easier. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things that you have to consider when starting a new business is just making it easier for the consumer to find your product, purchase your product, just make the whole thing as convenient as possible, especially with the Amazons of the world and buy things with one click and, you know, having to compete with that kind of bigger operation. Yeah, we went through and made it a lot easier for them to find things on Google, on eBay and Amazon. A lot of the other sellers online that were selling things were other surplus stores that were pretty disorganized and they didn't really know how to put the keywords in there and allow people to find it easily. I mean, we even used Amazon to help get it out there because Amazon gets us that exposure and we were able to pull people back to our website using both eBay and Amazon. That's definitely a great kind of lesson to... Why make a new, entirely new business model when you can take things you've learned from other people and other businesses and incorporate that into something that works for you? So you spent a lot of time on your business. I mean, when you have a startup business and even when you're three years into it like you are now, you still have to spend a lot of time building. And I mean, at the start of it, it's more of being inside of the business. Once you get into like where you're at now, you're looking at more strategy long term before the before you started recording. You kind of mentioned some of the issues that you were having in kind of getting things set up for the long term. With all of the time that you spend on your business, how do you decompress? Like, What do you, what do, you do to relax? What are some of your hobbies? I mean, I absolutely love what I do. And there are certain parts of the job that I actually do at home to relax, like my research. But outside of the actual work, I like to read a lot. So I'll read a lot of business books. And if it's not business, it's probably sci-fi. Then I also like to skateboard. I'll get outside and skateboard every chance I get. So kind of touching on something that you mentioned earlier about your journey, uh, creating the different business plans and trying those out. I think a lot of younger people who want to look into being an entrepreneur go through that same sort of struggle, what kind of advice would you give to them as far as testing out something that you want to try and maybe you know not having it succeed at first and working through that? I would say be assertive. Know or figure out exactly what you want and keep that in mind all the time so that when an opportunity comes along, you can just go for it. That way there's no hesitation. You just jump into it. As far as jumping into it, would you say that this is something you've always had in the back of your mind, being your own boss and working for yourself and creating something? Yeah, I have always wanted to own my own business. I had never really thought about it too much until I turned 18. And that's when it suddenly hit me that I was an adult and I could do that. But if I could give some advice to my younger self, I would tell me to just go ahead and do it anyways even though I wasn't old enough. So you don't have the kind of quintessential traditional education where 
get great grades in high school and then go on to college and then if you want go on to a graduate degree and follow that very standardized approach. Give us some of your insight on you know how that affected you, positive or negative, um, you know, and just what do you think of that kind of traditional method of going into you know the workforce and that sort of thing. So I absolutely hated school. I felt like it was really repetitive in high school. I really didn't pay attention. Uh, I think homeschooling was the only time that I actually paid enough attention to actually learn something outside of going to a charter school in middle school. Other than that, I was just trying to get through it. I didn't have any plans for the future. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was just kind of coasting. After I turned 18, I realized that I had to step it up and I was actually going to have to take care of myself. And that was when I started realizing education might actually be important. And I had a pretty good foundation. I learned all of the basics, what I needed to know. From there, I decided I should probably go to college. And so I started doing some college and realized that everything that they were teaching were things that I could learn from books. And I was paying a lot for these classes. And it was from professors that hadn't even worked in the field that they were teaching. They were just teaching straight out of a book and not from experience. And I felt like, especially after having run several different businesses for three or four years, that I could have taught the class a little bit better. I moved over into self-education, started asking people for recommended reading, and just reading a whole lot more books. And then from those books, I would take any book that they recommended and just kind of branch off into everything that genuinely interested me. Yeah, I think self-education is something that's incredibly important and very undervalued. I can speak from personal experience when I say that from reading... I don't know. It was like 10 different books throughout the course of a semester. I learned more from those 10 different books than I did from the five different classes that I was taking. So self-education is really valuable because you have people that have actually experienced this stuff and they're writing about their experience and you can draw from that. And like you said, when they reference other books, books that help them, you can branch off into that. So that's awesome and it's super valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I think school did inspire me and point me in the right direction. They got me going out of these textbooks that I read. I got recommendations for other books on the subject, and I asked the professors for other recommendations on the books, and I feel like I just grew a little bit faster than the classes were going to take me from reading so many books. I read anywhere from two to five books a month. And I think there's something to be said with self-education and that concept, because if you're motivating yourself and you're genuinely interested in the subject, you're going to retain so much more of the information rather than someone just kind of beating you over the head with a textbook telling you to learn something that you don't really care about. I think that it that really transitions well into kind of our, our next thing we like to talk about is uh, learning from other people and mentorship. So you definitely took a huge step in learning things yourself and trying things on your own, but were there things that you've learned from other people that really helped you along the way? I think one of those valuable resources and people that I found was actually the Small Business Development Center, which is a free resource for small businesses. Literally, your taxpayer dollars go towards that. And while I was there, I met a lot of really helpful people, other people that had actually spent 20 years building businesses or working their way up the corporate ladder in another company and finally decided to go off on their own. These people were there just because they wanted to help other people succeed doing what they had already done. And so I didn't ever have one specific mentor, but I got to talk to a lot of different people several different times. And a lot of those people are still around when I have questions. So you didn't really have a formal mentor. You kind of drew from the different mentors that you had for small periods of time. Like you would meet with them once or twice. There were some that you had for 
a little bit longer than that that you could draw knowledge from them. I think it's super important to understand this. Like, mentorship doesn't always come in a traditional format. It doesn't always come through a formal mentor. It's, you have to look for those different people, and you can even draw it from podcasts or different leaders in the industry that, like Steve Jobs. You've read a lot of books about Steve Jobs or um, the CEO of Starbucks and how he got to where he's at. So you've pulled mentorship from those different people, mentorship from a distance, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think actually a lot of it did come from books. I really enjoy autobiographies from CEOs, especially the CEO of uh, Starbucks, Howard Schultz. He was just a great writer and just really inspiring. Everything he did was just around building a brand. And that's what got me interested in brands. And so from there, I kind of branched off and started learning more about brands and reading more about CEOs that had built really successful brands. So you're a business leader in the community. Uh, you have your own small business here and are currently working on creating some new ideas and other ventures. What is something you'd give uh, as a piece of advice to someone young looking to start their own business? Or what are some of the challenges you, uh, you faced as well? I would tell them to make a plan and go for it. Don't hesitate. Don't spend tons of time planning. While the plan is super important, you don't want to get caught up in the plan. And I think that's something that <laughs> was actually a piece of advice that you gave Brent and I. Uh, we were kind of stuttering on getting this podcast started and you were like, you just got to do it. Just even though you have no idea what you're doing, just do something. Stop planning and Try just do it. it. Jump in there and learn it. So is that something that you struggle with? Did you struggle with waiting too long, just planning things out? What were some of the challenges that you faced in starting your business? When I first started, I was working for another guy that sold Army Surplus. And so that was something that held me back a lot because I didn't want to compete with him. He wasn't interested in going the same direction as me, so I figured it was okay. And I literally used the last $200 that I had sitting in my bank account that was meant to be for rent to go off and buy some inventory. Inventory is actually still one of the biggest challenges I face is finding enough stuff to sell and finding the same things consistently. Yeah, I think uh, you and I have talked a little bit about it with Sam Walton, how he struggled with that too. <laughs> you even talked about buying your own plane and kind of flying to different places. That way you could get inventory a lot easier. Which... Yeah, building relationships with suppliers and trying to figure out who has it or just having a massive network of people that want to sell to me. Yeah, and that's something that you've done well in your business, isn't it? I think I've done all right. I could definitely do better, but there is a limited supply of surplus unlike a lot of other products. And so that's what makes this particular industry so challenging. So then you kind of entered into a really challenging and competitive industry. So what advice do you have for someone, whether it's younger or older, that's looking at entering some sort of industry that's very competitive, there's high barriers to entry? I would say before you jump into it, do a ton of research, understand who all of the competitors are and see if you can figure out how they're doing what they do and how they're making their prices so well. How are they finding all of the customers and bringing them in and retaining them? Go shopping with everybody that sells the same products that you're interested in selling. So you would want to put together a really good team of other people that are really passionate about the products. They can't be exactly like-minded people. You want to find analytical people, you want to find creative people, and you want to find strategic people. You want to learn what all of their strengths are, put them together, and get in there and ask them how you can compete with this competitor or this entire industry that's really competitive. Because while you might be able to find some gaps in the industry, having a whole bunch of people together to brainstorm that understand it as well or understand business, you're going to be able to find all of the gaps and you can go in there and you can fill them. 
So it sounds like you take an approach to business that's very, not necessarily structured, but it has a very uh, directed approach. Uh, you have initiative, obviously. Uh, you take into account all of the research and data that's out there for your industry. And you like to create a strategy to kind of help you guide uh, yourself along that path. So going along that route, how important would you say that goal setting is or having some sort of vision for the future is uh, as a factor of driving your business? I think goals are one of the most important things ever. Before even starting your business, you should write down where you want to end up. You should begin with the end in mind. It's not good enough to just have the goals in your head. You literally need to write them down. If you write them down, you are much more likely to follow through with it, and then you can go back and see where you've made progress. If the goals seem completely unattainable or they're just huge, you need to break them down into bite-sized chunks and figure out how you can make each one of those happen because some of the goals are just too big. Like creating a $10 million business seems impossible when you don't have any business at all. But creating a $50,000 business is a lot more manageable and then creating a quarter million dollar business is manageable from there. You just need to keep moving forward towards your goals in manageable chunks. So for someone who is kind of new to the idea of goal setting or has never done it before, how would they get started? Do you do something like set goals weekly, monthly, yearly? What would you recommend? So once a year, I sit down and plan out my entire year. With that, I also look at where I wanna be in five years, where I wanna be in 10 years, and where I wanna be in 50 years. I look way ahead. Well, a lot of those change every single year because I learn something new during the year or I find something else that I'm really interested in. Those goals change. But with that yearly planning, I go through and I make all of my goals for the year and I'll break them down into quarters. I review them once a quarter and just look at how much I've progressed, if I've met my goals, if I've exceeded my goals, and then plan the next quarter. From there, we just kind of go over our monthly goals. I mean, you can even break them down into daily. What I like to do is I plan my weeks out on Sunday nights based on my goals. From there, like the entire week's already planned out, but you can sit down each morning and just take five minutes to review everything and write out your goals for the day. That's how I break everything down into manageable chunks. So you have a lot of micro goals. So you have your macro goal, like you said, the yearly ones, and then even further than that, then you break it down. There's another podcaster, his name is John Lee Dumas, that does a whole lot of that. He has a, a book that he wrote, and it's really just kind of outlining in a journal of every day sitting down. What are the things that you're thankful for? What are your goals for the, the long term? And then what are your goals for today to help achieve that long term goal? So I think it's awesome that you do that. I mean, when you look at a lot of different leaders, that's something that they do as well is they'll do like an hour, two hours a week, just on a Sunday. They reflect on how well they did the last week and then what are they doing to push forward into the next week. Yeah, something that's really important is looking back at the goals that you've accomplished and seeing how much you've progressed. So a lot of times you don't see how you're moving forward. I know I don't. I'll get like six months past a goal and then realize how much I've really progressed over the last year, like thinking about where I was a year before, six months before, and just how much I've grown just because I was shooting for that goal. So I like to make them really big and make them almost unachievable or maybe even unachievable like I did this year with everything. But this year, for some reason, making them unachievable, I was able to not only meet them, but I exceeded them. So diving into your business a little bit, you 
now have a few different employees, which is awesome. And it also means that you've become a leader within your business. Tell us a little bit about that experience. How, what are some of the challenges that you faced? What are some of the things that you've done well? Hiring people was really scary because payroll is one of the biggest expenses that a business will have. So bringing someone on where I have to pay them every two weeks was really scary. But after I brought the first person on, I realized it wasn't too big of a deal. They started working and they were contributing to the value of the company and making my job a lot easier. So hiring the second one wasn't as hard, but picking the right person was pretty hard. I went through, I think, three different people before I finally got one that fit. Two weeks ago, I just hired a third person. And that's not counting the team outside of that. I've got contractors and other people that do little parts of it. Because sometimes it's easier to piecemeal different parts of the business out rather than to hire them. And I still wouldn't say I'm a leader. I feel like I'm a manager at this point. I do a really good job of getting them to do what needs to be done and coordinating everything. But actually inspiring people and pushing them towards the long-term goal has been one of the hardest things. Because being a manager and being a leader are two entirely separate things. And you'll realize that as soon as you get to the point of being a good manager, you realize that there's a little bit more to it. There's a step above the manager. And that's where basically business executives come in. They're the ones that really look at the long-term vision and inspire the people to push towards those, that vision and the goals that they set. So what have been some of the biggest things that you've found that have contributed to your leadership? Your leadership growth like you just had an aha moment of oh maybe I should be doing this I kind of had an aha moment when I started working with Steve because I realized after I started working with him that I wasn't a leader I was just a manager and I needed to work on being a leader and I mean I knew I was gonna have to get to the point of leading and I knew that was something a little bit different but actually understanding what that was took me a while and it was with Dr. Drury that I realized like, oh, I need to work on being a leader. And that's the point where I started reading a little bit more into it and asking more questions and uh, looking at actual leadership strategies and skills and how other people inspire people. So leaders, they have to be the inspiration for their entire company. They also have to be the greatest salesperson in the entire company because they need to be able to sell their vision. And I mean, kind of going back to Dr. Drury, uh, he's a business consultant that you hired on. He's kind of acting as a mentor to you right now. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. So what are some of the things that he's really taught you? Specifically, uh, I know that he focuses a lot more on culture, but how has he brought value to you and helping you drive the business forward? He knows how to organize a business how to create a culture, how to create a vision, how to create the organization in general. The culture and the vision are two of the biggest parts of your entire brand. And to create a genuine brand, you have to have a consistent vision and culture. And that was something that I knew I needed. So bringing Dr. Drury into it and having him guide me along and answer all of my questions and push me to go a little bit further and really define the vision that I have for the company and the culture that I want for the company has been incredibly helpful. I think that's something that can be humbling also is actually asking for help, especially when you have to shell out your own money from the business, from your profits to ask for that help. And I think there's a common theme here or a common thread, so to speak, as far as successful business leaders. And I think it's interesting that you really make that distinction that you don't really consider yourself a leader yet, more of a manager. That's, in my opinion, one of the signs of a good leader is that they know where they're at and they're not overachieving or micromanaging, um, which is something that we talked about 
uh, before we started recording. So share some of your thoughts on like good leadership styles and how you motivate people and something you aspire to grow into. I want to be someone that can actually inspire people and show them what my entire vision is for the company and show them how we're going to get there to the point where they're as motivated as I am. I think a good leader can motivate anybody towards a vision that they have and get them as motivated as they are. I'm not quite there yet. My employees understand my vision and where we're trying to go, but I feel I don't inspire them as much as I could be inspiring them. And so I think it's just going to be, it's going to take some time to learn it. So in leadership, there's always those, I guess you could say, different types of learning curves, Um, not necessarily failures, but learning how to, really just learning how to lead people. So what are, what is one of the biggest things that you've struggled with in leadership? One of the hardest things I've had to learn is delegation, because I always felt like I needed to do everything myself, or I was slacking and not doing enough to grow a business. You have to know how to hand off some of the tasks that you just no longer have time for and you can't feel bad about it. You learn to give them to other people so that you can move on to the next level and those more important tasks that only you can do. Once you've created something that can be put into a system and is learnable by somebody else, you can train them to do that, delegate to them while you move on to the next level. I think I remember listening to John Maxwell. One of the things that he mentioned is like, yeah, they're not going to be as passionate as you are at first. They might only go 50% of what you would put into it. But what you want to do is train them into becoming that 60, that 70, that 80, that 90% of what you are. And eventually even training them into becoming more than what you could ever have done. So delegation is important and learning how to step back. Yeah, absolutely. And I think going back to what you said about they'll never be quite as motivated as you. I think there is a point where you can get them to be as motivated as you. I read this quote that knowledge breeds passion. And so one of the biggest things in my company is teaching everybody as much as I possibly can, whether they're interested in it or not. I feel the more they know about what they're doing, the more interested they're going to be. Kind of tying it back into what you just said, that knowledge breeds passion. Um, What advice would you give to someone who doesn't really want to pursue the traditional educational path? Rather than going to college, they want to go off and start a business or they don't quite know what they're going to be doing. I would say go and look at videos on YouTube and what you're interested in. Start watching the videos, see if you can get references to books out of those videos and start reading the books. Even if you don't know what you want to do, if you start reading books, watching videos, you can at least find out what you don't want to do. For some people, college is great. For others, it just doesn't fit. Not everyone's meant for college. I think everyone that doesn't want to go to college should just read a lot of books. They should keep up with the news. They should spend a lot of time watching videos on things that interest them and go for whatever's actually interested, like what they're interested in, whether that's a career with a certain company, find out what you need to do to get with that company. And then once you're with them, figure out what you need to learn to move up. Or if you're starting your own business, that's looking at what kind of business you want to do and figuring out what you need to know to start that business. It's okay to start with the basics. I read really dumb self-starting guides for businesses, just like how to start a business, like 101. And they were very broad, very basic, and just talked about literally just how you make money, how you kind of structure it, what it might be like if you hire people, how to pick your location, how to pick your product, and stuff like that. Just really, really basic. And from there, I started getting more interested in like, okay, so how am I going to source the product? 
and I would read books on that. How am I going to do my marketing? And so I would read books on that as well. So I would just recommend a lot of reading and podcasts are another really, really good resource. And I think that's a topic that people really do have to focus in on, having that base or infrastructure in place before they start their business. I think it's something that you do really well, um, obviously in the past when you first started and today with your current business. Um, I think a lot of smaller local businesses net businesses nowadays struggle because they have that passion, that motivation to do what they want to do. You hear a lot about that as you grow up, follow your passions, find something you want to do. But a lot of people kind of forget that you have to have the back end as well to make sure you can actually run that passion to something that's going to provide for you. Yeah, you can't get caught up in the technical side of the business, which is if you're a service business that does refrigerators. You can't get caught up being the one that's doing all of the fixing on the refrigerators because you have to step back and you have to be a manager and you have to be an owner as well. It's really important to, I mean, going back to delegation, to be able to hand it out and not get stuck in the, I guess, grunt work. Yeah, and what you just referenced was from the E-Myth Revisited. So you have the, the technician, you have the manager, and then you have the entrepreneur. And each one is very valuable and serves a different purpose, but you need a balance of each one. Absolutely. Have you found that to be an issue of getting too involved with the business, getting too involved with the nitty-gritty day-to-day type stuff? Not just in business life, but personal too. I usually find one thing and just obsess over it. And that's been one of the hardest things to figure out is how to balance because I'll find one thing and I will just do that one thing until I am the best at it or really, really good at it. And then I move on to the next thing. So in my business, I wanted to be really, really good at finding products. And so I got really, really good at finding products, but then I didn't know how to sell the products. And so I had to get really, really good at selling the products. And eventually I had the whole system, but I was obsessing over it. And I was working 16 hours a day, not really because I had to, just because I loved doing it. So finding the balance between work and personal and then everything in between has been one of the hardest things ever. So in your day-to-day business, do you find it easy to delegate tasks to others, or is that something you had to work on as you grew your business, hired more people? Um, Because obviously having someone who specializes in something is very helpful and very efficient, but it's not always possible. I think I've gotten a lot better at delegating. There's certain things in the business that I absolutely love doing, and handing them off to somebody else was really hard because I just liked doing it. And some of it was grunt work. I really liked just standing around and receiving orders and processing everything because I could just put on some music or put on a podcast and just go to work. But uh, when I started really trying to grow the business, I realized that I couldn't be in there doing that. I had to look at the long term and I had to go out and be sourcing the product and have someone else processing everything. And in that, I discovered that I absolutely love sourcing the product. And that's one of the most fun things ever because I get to go out and build relationships with all of these different people little vendors and uh, other businesses. One thing that you mentioned a little bit earlier is passion, just finding something you're passionate about. So what is your why? Why do you do what you do? That is a really hard question and a really, really important question to ask. Up until just recently, my why was to make money. That is what I wanted to do was to make money. I realized just here in the last couple of months that money is not a good reason to do anything because after you're done and you've made all the money in the world, if you don't have a why, there's not going to be anything useful to do with that money. It's all going to be pointless until you have, a, unless you have a much higher purpose and something that you're working towards outside of the money. The money is or should just be a means to an end. Yeah, it's good that you came to that realization because I feel like a lot of people 
really just go through life thinking that it's all about the money. They make lots of money. And they realize they get to the end of their life and they're like, my life was wasted. I had no purpose. So it's awesome that you're realizing that now, reflecting on it, and then looking for your why, your passion behind it, and then moving forward. Stepping back and asking important questions like that, really hard questions like that, is something that you need to do as much as possible because the questions like that are what really shape you. And I think it's important for the people listening to take into consideration your why. It doesn't have to be some you know grandiose thing. You don't have to cure cancer or you know be the first person you know outside of the solar system or anything like that. Like a why could just be taking care of your family. To me, you know, that's a, a noble cause in and of itself. And, you know, money, like you said, is a means to an end on that front. Oh, absolutely. One of my whys is people. I love growing and developing people. And that's really my focus is being able to lead and also building strong teams. So how have you done that? Have you built teams in your business? So with my first four businesses that failed, I didn't have a team. I was trying to do it all by myself. And so when I realized that I was starting yet another business, I immediately went and started putting together my team. The very first person was my accountant. He was really great to collaborate with. Uh, we had been friends for since we were little kids. And so uh, it was the first time that I had connected with him in years. And he helped me a whole bunch. And he had the same thought. And I actually, I was his very first client and I helped him get into his business. And so after that, I realized that I needed different people for different parts of the team. I needed people to help me find the products, people to help me um, sell the products. And then of course, people to help me market, um, take care of the higher level money stuff like my CPA. One of the very last people I added to my team was actually an attorney. So the legal advice. I can't tell you how important having a team is. All of these different people's people with different strengths, all contributing towards the same goal, and then building teams underneath each one of those people. That is so valuable. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, so we're going to kind of transition into more bullet questions. Just try and keep them in like one or two sentences if you can. So recommend one resources that is helpful for you just in everyday life. I think one of the greatest resources is actually YouTube because you can find almost anything on YouTube. And when I have a question, a lot of times I'll start with the videos on YouTube and see if it can just get me going in the right direction. Because usually there's someone that has at least an intro to the question that you have. And then from there, there might be someone else that makes you pay to get it, or you might have to buy a book or get a book from the library to learn more about that particular topic. And what is one book that you would recommend? I think one of the greatest books that I've read recently, the most inspiring, was Zero to One by Peter Thiel. He just goes over how to make a real business that contributes something valuable to society and not just being another Me Too business. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Just share one parting piece of wisdom, the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. I'm going to say whatever you're thinking of doing, just go for it. Know what you want and go for it. The best way to connect with me is going to be on either Facebook or LinkedIn. Just search Jeffrey Radspinner. That's J-E-F-F-R-Y-R-A-D-S-P-I-N-N-E-R. Well, again, thank you, Jeff, for being on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. This is John Mark Radspinner. And I'm Brent Spotty. Signing off. 
Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. Jeff is truly a unique individual, and it's cool hearing that classic entrepreneurship story of he didn't take the regular path. He did the path of most resistance, the path that was scary and most young professionals wouldn't want to take. He tried and he failed. He didn't go to college. He doesn't have, quote, the regular job security, unquote. But you know what? He lives an adventurous life. And he has learned so much through it. And he has been able to meet so many incredible, unique individuals along the way. Be sure to check out and like our Facebook page to stay up to date on all of our future conversations. And subscribe to the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast on your favorite podcast hosting platform. Be sure to check back every first and third Tuesday of the month for a new episode.